Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. My name is Michael Zelavari, and today we are kicking off, well, we are finishing, actually, the group of uh, entry list rundowns for the Le Mans 24 hours. This will be the third one released in the sequence, and today we are covering GTE and the final year of LMGTE at the Circuit de la Sarthe. And joining me today, we've got our obscure racing expert, Chris Washer 97 Good afternoon, Chris. Uh, uh, hello. Uh, currently 8 o'clock in the morning here in the sunny north woods of Michigan. Uh, excited for another uh, edition of the 24 Hours of Mon. Like you said, the last ever for the GTE category. Should be a fun one. Absolutely, and GTE has been an absolute stalwart of Le Mans the past decade. It's given us some great moments, which we'll talk about a little later on. But Chris, to start off, no GTE Pro this year. What's going on? We've got a 21-car GTE AM group, but there is no GTE Pro. Just explain to those listening what's going on with this class in the past you know, 24 months and why we're not running with a GTE Pro class this year. Right, so the main idea on why there's not a GTE Pro class is that the ACO really wanted more than two manufacturers interested for it to for it to be a pro class. And considering that Porsche and Ferrari said we're not we're not that interested, we're putting all of our dice in hypercar, and then that pretty much only leaves you with Corvette. And they're like, Yeah, one manufacturer's not enough. So they canned it. Um I know people I know we have GT3 next year, and it's an entirely different argument. How people could be like, well, they could have customer teams, but still have all pro entries. Well, that's a whole different argument. But the gist of it is, the Porsche and Ferrari, which is two of the three um, factory GTE pro lineup that we had last year, didn't want to do it anymore. And the ACO didn't feel like it, it was worth it to put up a pro class just for one manufacturer for its final year. So they cut it out early and it just leaves us with the AM class this year. Yeah, which is a bit of a, well, it's, it's a double-edged sword because of course it's a bit of a shame that we're not seeing pro GT racing at Le Mans anymore um, for the moment at least. Um, but the AM class has been bonkers this season in the WEC. Um, it, it's also a, a factor of the sort of end of life of GTE, pro, well, GTE racing. Uh, the, the class has been on its last leg since its glut of entries a few years ago. So it, it's been the right time, I think. So, so yeah, no GTE Pro, but GTEM has been crazy this season uh, and has delivered us some great racing already in the three rounds of the WC we've had. Uh, Chris, just give us a bit of context uh, around GTEM. What's the, the design philosophy of the class? What, what's, the, what's the sort of key factors that makes GTEM racing GTEM? Hey, so you you have to have a bronze in the car. That's one of the main uh, purposes of the class. It's for amateur racers. And then I believe you're allowed one platinum. And then the other, I believe it's a, uh, a free choice. Ooh, that's the the um, second driver has to be silver. So you've got one uh, bronze, silver. one silver, and then one professional. You got that. And then to uh, add in a little bit of a twist for qualifying, the bronze has to qualify the car. So you can't just put in the pro car or put in the pro guy in qualifying and then, you know, you know, rest on that. You got you to make sure your bronzes are, bronzes are fast. So that what That's what makes this really, um, really competitive. I mean, the, the whole storyline this season was the uh, the most heated, friendliest rivalry in existence, Ben Keating versus Sarah Bovey. Um, as they duel it out in qualifying with each other, that was always 
really fun to watch. And it should be really fun to watch as they, uh, I would imagine, those, those two would be in Hyper Bowl. And I've got to say, the way that the ACO has celebrated the, the AM driver and the bronze driver in, in the uh, WEC, in GTM, has been really, really good. It's, as you said, given these bronze drivers, like Ben Keating and Sarah Bobby, their, their chance in the spotlight, and it's turned... Uh, a lot of heads in in the personalities, uh, in creating rather these personalities that um, we can relate to and that we can watch and we can enjoy as as part of endurance racing. So it's quite wonderful that the the ACO has put such a focus on the on the AM driver and the bronze driver in GTM because uh, they're the key component of of having a quick race. A bronze driver and a silver driver has to do at least six hours of running across the twenty four hours. Uh, so their pace really will dictate where their car will finish at the end of the race. So it's it's a key component of this class and being a quick bronze driver is absolutely one of the factors that gives you your car the best chance of winning in this class. No, absolutely. I mean, you see performances such as, you know, like Ben Keating. Let's see here. Just, I'm just going, I'm just going down the list. I mean, I mean, it's very hard. I mean, the K Cozzolino has been impressive and with car guy and other championships Yep, he very often driving with uh with uh, Takeshi Kimura, but he's got a different set of co-drivers this year. Yep, and we'll, and we'll get to that in a second. And then you got uh, uh, let's see, Christian Reed has just been a stalwart of the championship. So it, it really comes down to trying to uh, kind, of, kind of sounds insulting when I put it this way, but it really comes down to losing the least amount of time when you put your am in. Like, it does sound insulting, but you've got to remember that these AM drivers in particular aren't full-time racers. Sure, they're quite quick, and they'd probably spank you or I around a track every single day of the week. But when you put them up against some of the other talent that we've got in this class, and we'll go through each of these entries uh, over the course of the next hour and a half or so uh, and detail some of the talent here. But we've got some, you know, up-and-coming, you know, young gun drivers, some former factory drivers. We've got a former uh, WEC GTE world champion in here in the form of uh, Ricard Leitz. And, And so, you know, when you put the, a bronze driver up against someone like that, yes, they're going to be losing three to four seconds a lap at least. At a normal track at Le Mans, they could be losing 10 seconds. And so, yeah, you, you are right. It does sound a little insulting to say that their, their goal as the AM driver is to bring it back clean and to not lose as much time. But when you're putting them up against guys that have, you know, got F1 experience in some cases, then no wonder they're losing time. Yeah, it- yeah, it should be it should be really interesting because Lamar really you know makes or break. It, it, it could show it could have a breakthrough performance, or it could kind of ruin your reputation in a matter of seconds. As I, I believe it was Hoshino that had wrecked uh, that took out I believe a Corvette. Yes, one of the Porsche curves, and that was hard to come from. Like that that was that's a reputation that I think he it's not worthy of anymore he definitely has improved but once you do something especially at Lamar like I said if, if you do one thing bad it's uh everyone's gonna remember that to be fair to be fair to Hoshino he didn't really take out the Corvette the Corvette crashed itself into him um the 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 follow-on from that was that Hoshino then pulled out of the event because he didn't feel safe and didn't feel comfortable driving which you know pulled out the rest of his team because he hadn't done his uh, his allocated drive time and that I think was the the sort of key factor there but to be fair Fazla crashed into him, so it's, it's not Hoshino's fault. Anyway, uh, we're getting we're getting sidetracked. Chris, we have 
21 cars on this entry list. How do you want to do this? Do we want to go class uh, car by car? Do we want to go manufacturer by manufacturer? Do we want to talk about the WEC cars first? What, how do you want to do this? Uh, well, we can talk about the WEC cars first. I got the Wikipedia entry list pulled up because I know there's some very, very last minute changes that might have not been specified on the original, especially the 88. I know the 88 has been a problem car for um, getting everything right. <laughs> Because yeah. it's very, very last minute changes. So we can, uh, judging from my list, I see we have the 21A of Corsica up first. Yes. So what we'll do, if you're following along at home, uh, we are working off of the WEC entry list or the Wikipedia page because they're what we've got available to us currently. Um, I think both are the same at this stage. We are recording quite literally one week to the to the minute away from the start of the centenary event of the 24 hours of Le Mans. Um, so I think at this point, both entry lists are the same. Of course, there will be a spotter's guide produced by the series and also by our good friend Mateus Groziak, uh, Zionbell444 on, on, uh, on Reddit. So make sure you check that out at spotter.guides. Um, and if you want to follow along with that. So at, that, at this point, we, don't, we haven't gotten any idea of the liveries or, unless they've been announced already. So we might not be up to date with that, but we are recording a little bit ahead of time so that way we've got enough time to edit these before they all go live. So we're going to talk about the WC entries first. Um, and you can tell they are the WC entries because on the uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans entry list, they have WEC in the second column. Um, on uh, the Spotter's Guide, they will have the WEC icon in their little screen to make you to let you know that they are the WEC cars. And then on the Wikipedia page, they'll have the green WEC sort of noting in the middle of the screen. So we're going to start with the number 21 AF Corsa car. So this is the Ferrari 488 GTE. Of course, uh, it's a uh, AF Corsa car. And this has a bronze driver, uh, Julian Piguet. Piguet. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. By the way, we're going to get a lot of pronunciations wrong today. Uh, Julian Piguet with Simon Mann and um, Ulysses Depor as the gold driver in that car. Now, Chris, these guys have a whereabouts are they in the series at the moment? They are currently sitting third with a third place, uh, second place, no, sorry, third place at the very first round of the season, um, but then uh, results outside the top five the next two races. Uh, anything, any light to shed on this team? Yeah, so Simon Mann, he's kind of been just been racing uh Ferraris, any any Ferrari you can get his hand on, pretty much. Like he was racing Italian GT the past couple of years with AF Corsa. Um, that's that's a that's how uh, that's how uh, obscure he'll go just to race one of these things. And Elusive the Pa, I I, I I think I I quite rate him. Uh, I remember last year GT World Challenge at Brands Hatch, uh, he was racing in the silver class and he ended up winning uh, one of the races overall that weekend. Oh wow. Uh, Beat, yeah, he beat the beat all the pro class cars and won in the silver class Ferrari. So he is definitely know how he definitely knows how to get around in a Ferrari. I don't know if this will be up up there at the end of the race, but I I don't think that this I don't think there's a reason I don't think there's any reason why this this uh, entry should be too terrible. And they're in a you know prove, a tried and proven chassis with a, four, a Ferrari 488, which is you know powered by AF Corsa, so you know a great team behind them that's very familiar with the car and serviceability, and you know being able to set up a car very uh, competitively for the for the changes overnight is key factor for it. So that's a it's a good team combo to have. Absolutely, and they have and they of course uh, you know they'll have 
uh, a couple of other cars down the line that we'll talk about uh, uh, later on. But the next up on the list was a very interesting car is the Oban Racing Team by TF Sport Aston Martin. Their livery just got released, uh, I believe, a day ago. It's a very bright orange. You you will not miss this out on the racetrack. Not That's even sure. a little bit. No. Oh. Uh, Albert Dalharty, which I, I he's actually a pretty decent. I believe he got pole at Spa last time around at for the WEC. So he's he is. He is quick. He might not be in the same conversation as Bovey and Keating, but man, he might as well. He might as well be after uh, after Lamar if the, his spa pace keeps up. He's, he's got, certainly uh, up there, yeah. And Michael Denon, who races with uh, Turner Motorsports in the IMSA series, and then Charlie Eastwood, who is the resident Irishman of the car. Yes, and um, an up-and-coming young professional driver as well as uh, Charlie Eastwood. So, very good driver um, for from the AMR or the Aston Martin factory stable in, in Charlie Eastwood there. Um, Dynan and Al Harty. Al Harty, I think, flies under the radar. Uh, he kind of uh, exists in my head as in, in a similar sort of vein as um, some of the other... Uh, AM drivers from the Arab region, like Abdulaziz Al Faisal, um, where they they're sort of quite well known in their spheres, but not really got the notoriety um, in other places of motorsport. So I think Al Hati could surprise a few people. Uh, that car took a third place last time out at Spa, but hasn't had the run of it in the early part of the season. Uh, but the the TF Sport Racing. Uh, a quality team that just hasn't seemed to have the results come off this season. Now, this is the first of the cars with a, of the Aston Martins in the field. Has it been an Aston Martin problem or has it been a team problem so far this season? I, I, I'm normally not the one to go BOP bad, but I think there was a genuine argument that the first two races, the BOP might have not been there, might have not gone their way. Uh, they made some changes at Spa and we noticed immediate improvement including that poll like i said earlier so i think it was just a stroke of bad luck regarding the uh the bop decision uh they should be much better here i would imagine that lama and one thing also another thing to mention charlie eastwood you said young and aspiring uh factory driver uh he also did win the four hours of barcelona overall uh in the racing team turkey car which also operated by tf sport Ah, there you go. I did not pick up on that. I do remember TF Sport winning that um, with the Racing Team Turkey car, but I didn't realize Eastwood was at the wheel. So a great little bit of experience there for Eastwood. Congratulations. Um, Now, next down the WC list is a car that I know is very close to your heart and very close to a lot of our fans, uh, Chris. How about you take us through it? Yeah, so it's the number 33 Corvette Racing Carlo. Straight, a little strayed from the path here because normally when Corvette goes to the law, they have the 63 and 64 number plates. And obviously, with GTE Pro being gone, uh, they went with the number 33. This car includes Nikki Katzberg, Ben Keating, and Nicholas Veroni. What a star stud lineup! Uh, but Nikki Katzberg pretty much races everything under the sun, very good at it. Ben Keating. A lot of strength behind his words, but one of the best AMs to ever drive in recent memory. And then you got Nicholas Peroni, who kind of flown under the radar a bit, but really shown how, how good he was when holding up a, can't remember which one it was, but it was a Porsche factory driver um, in his Ferrari last season at the ELMS round at Paul Ricard. So very, very good lineup. This is definitely going to be contender for the win. Corvette's best chances to win in years, uh, even with the 
lower class count in GTE Pro, mainly because of the amount of just pure talent. But this is Corvette's best shot, considering their uh, history this season. Yeah, well, you sort of talk about history this season. This car has not finished off the podium. We had an incredible result at Sebring where this car won uh, in uh, on the on the concrete of the run race of Sebring. Uh, this car took pole and the victory in a last lap. Incredible battle uh, in uh, between. Uh, it was Nicky Katzberg and the number 83 Ricard Mill Racing Team, which I believe had Alessio Rivera at the wheel at the time, uh, and then took second place at Spa, again with a last lap dash to the line, holding off the TF Sport Aston Martin. So this car has been the class of the field, and it has been you know, in, due in part to the efforts of Nicky Katzberg and the, the great defense that he's done, but also with the, the effort of Ben Keating and his incredible stints very often early on in the race uh, to really set those races up for them. So Keating is a is a fan favorite. He is a, a driver that takes his racing very, very seriously. He wants to get better all the time. And you can see how much passion and excitement and desire he has every single time he gets interviews. His interviews are one of the best parts about uh, watching the WC coverage. So uh, how, how do you rate Corvette's chances with, uh, with Ben Keating and this team? Do you reckon they could take the win, even though they are the only Corvette in the in the lineup? I, I reckon they can. Uh, it's just Nick, the, the, Nicky Katzberg, very very good. Like he he is he he is like he he pulls above his weight, in, even in a pro car. Uh, ben Keating, like I said, probably one of the better uh, the better amps of this entire lineup. And then Baroni, I don't want to say he's the weakest of the three, but he's still pretty good. So I, I, I'd say I rate this very high for a chance to win. And also another thing that was picked up during uh, scrutineering, this is probably the last year that they get to be called Corvette Racing because of the ban on factory teams for Lamar GT3. So there'll still be Corvettes more, more than likely. It'll just probably, uh, the, the the hot theory running around is they'll more, more than likely be renamed to Pratt & Miller Racing. Yeah, that would check out because Pratt & Miller run the Corvettes, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's probably one of the big markers. Uh, if you are playing along uh, the fantasy WEC competition, that would be a car that would be very very good to pick up if you're interested in that. Um, next down the entry list is number fifty four AF Corsa uh, Ferrari. This is a car that's been around the series for a very long time now, with a, a few different drivers at the wheel. But it has been typically a combination of Thomas Floor, uh, the bronze driver from the Czech Republic, uh, and Francesca. Sorry, from uh, from Switzerland because I keep forgetting that CHE on entry list for some reason is Switzerland. Um, and then uh, Francesco Castellacci is the silver driver from Italy. Uh, this year, they're joined by Davide Rigon, a former, well, a current factory Ferrari driver, formerly racing in GTE Pro. Uh, so that's been a driver that has slotted in to that car. Uh, the, the combination of Flor and Castellacci is... Kind of a weird one. They've been around a long time. They've got a lot of experience, but they haven't really been pushing at the very top of the GTEM uh, rankings, Chris. How do you rate this car's chances with Davide Regan behind the wheel? Regan is definitely going to be a, uh, it's definitely going to be help, but I don't see these guys being contenders for the win. They might do great in the midfield, uh, including some reliability issues from the other cars. But yeah, I, I really don't rate this... Uh, to be a car that's going to contend for the one. However, there is a cool story to go along with this car. I don't know if he's going to do it this year, but okay. Thomas Floor is the owner of VistaJet, 
Yeah. And it's the same situation last year and as this year where the six hours of Paul Ricard is, is actually on the Saturday before Le Mans, which is the day before test day. Which is currently happening did, right now. Yep. Uh, yeah, Paul Ricard, let's see, like two and a half, three and a half hours from now will be green. Yeah, but basically right after the six, the Paul Ricard 1000Ks, Thomas Four invited everybody who had to go to Le Mans this very next day into on you know because onto his private jet and he flew them down free of charge nice i think that's something that he's done uh the last few years in a row so hopefully that's uh that's something that happens again because uh, that's that's just a, a wonderful bit of community in the sports car world yeah exactly uh so this car so far has had a best result of fifth uh, sixth place sixth place uh no sorry fifth place which it took at um portimao uh, so it's not really pushing up at the very top end, um, but with Davide Regan on that car, that car could do some crazy things, so keep your eye on that. We're going to skip over GMD, GMB Motorsport and come back to it, because we're talking about the WC cars. The next one on the list is the Project 1 AO racing car, the first of the Porsches we're going to talk about today, the Porsche 911 RSR, and this car is a very cool car. This car has PJ Hyatt, Gunnar Jeanette as the bronze and silver driver, and then Matteo Cairoli as the Platinum driver. Uh, so Project One has been a Porsche team that's done a lot of Super Cup and has recently been stretching its legs in GTE. Uh, PJ Hyatt from your neck of the woods, Chris, uh, with Gunnar Jeanette as well. Uh, formerly, Gunnar Jeanette uh, used to race fairly often with WeatherTech Racing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, where would you guys, where would you rate this pairing um, as a bronze and silver uh, for those who maybe don't watch a lot of IMSA racing? So as far as I'm aware, I believe PJ Hyatt is back in the car. I know he had some injuries involving a crash uh, at Spa during qualifying. Yeah, these two they made the they made this AO racing team together. Um, they raced in IMSA and they took some liberties from IMSA and made it where the car is Rexy, the dinosaur livery. So we get to see Rexy at La. Uh, in this car, then Matteo Cairoli gets to drive it, which is just a piece of cake on top of that. I, I think this will be, this might be a sleeper pick because you got Matteo Cairoli and then uh, Gunnar Jeanette, who is not a slow poke at all. He's not that bad. And uh, especially with Porsche, I think Porsche is going to do pretty strong here as well. PJ Hyatt, that's kind of an unknown. He, he is, will be kind of rusty compared to the other guys since he had that injury from Spa. But I think this car should be. Uh, I think it'll be decent. And if you if you're not sure what we mean when we say uh, Rexy, um, basically they've turned the front end of the the car into a big open mouth jaw, uh, and then the rest of the car is kind of like a dinosaur. It looks really really cool, and apparently it's already been very very popular with the kids in Le Mans, France. Um, but yeah, it's. You, I get much like the ORT by TF Sport Asamund. You won't be able to miss the number fifty six car. Like it, it's got a striking livery. Some would say garish, but it's it's pretty funny. <laughs> I gotta say. Yeah, but they call their IMSA car the uh, Porsche GT three RAR. If it's anything like IMSA, they'll deck out their garage with palm trees or inflatable palm trees and. 
they make an entire theme out of it. It's just so fun. It's one of the fun cars on the grid. It's pretty cool. I gotta say, it's pretty cool. Uh, we'll move on to the uh, number fifty-seven Kessel Racing car. Now, this is a really cool car. This is the the Car Guy car. If you're, uh, well, ooh, maybe this is the Car Guy car. It might be the Car Guy car. The the other one might be the Car Guy car. We will find out later on. Um, Kessel Racing are actually bringing two cars. We'll talk about the other one uh, a bit later on. But this one is the WC full season entry car. So Ferrari four eight eight with Takeshi. Kimura as the bronze, um, Scott Hufaker from the USA as the silver, and then Daniel Serra as the platinum in that car, as the pro driver in that car. Now, Daniel Serra is a absolute rocket ship uh, as a driver. He kind of burst onto the scene with Aston Martin in 2016, 17, I want uh, to say. I- it was 17 with that battle with Corvette. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, Takeshi Kimura and Scott Huff- Huffaker, that's an interesting combination. What? Not one that I would have expected, Chris. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, there might have been some history dating back. But yeah, Kessel, uh, this is, uh, I could say for sure, this is the car guy uh, race Okay, car. cool. Yeah. So this, this will be the bright highlighter yellow. Uh, but yeah, the interesting driver pairing. Not at all a bad pairing i mean uh kimura has had success with car guy with uh, gt world challenge asia in the past um not definite so this might be a sleeper pick this could be something that could we could uh possibly maybe see in the top five but when the day is done oh top five do you think it's that uh that powerful uh kimura and hafaka kimura he's 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 he loses a lot of time as a bronze driver being kind he loses a lot of time as a bronze driver but I'm also taken to into the fact that uh, Ferrari is last year they weren't good, but I think the BOP will at least be better than last year, and, and the reliability that's going to come from other cars as well. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. Um, this car, this uh, driver lineup, this team has uh, picked up a. Uh, Second place, they finished second. Oh, sorry, third place at the season opening. Twenty, uh, twenty-four hours of Sebring. Twelve hours of Sebring. Uh, well, it wasn't even twelve hours of Sebring. It was the the thousand miles of Sebring. Can you imagine a twenty-four hour race at Sebring? I, I can. Preventic did. Oh really? Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Forget I said anything. Um, but since then their their results haven't been quite up to scratch. Um, they took home one point at Portimao and four points at Spa. So that's you know outside the top six or seven so i'm not exactly sure off the top of my head what that point what those points correlate to but not quite uh the returns that they were after but as a sleeper pick chris you reckon yeah this this might surprise people yeah yeah fair enough um again not going to be able to miss it because it's going to be fluoro highlighter yellow so enjoy watching that uh number 60 is the next one on the entry list uh this is the iron links Porsche, which feels a little weird to stay still. Uh, this car is the yellow car, which has Claudio Schiavone as the bronze, um, Matteo Cressoni as the silver, and Alessio Piccariello as the gold-rated driver. Uh, now, quickly, just on Piccariello, he is currently leading the GTE standings in uh, the European Le Mans series um, with Ryan Hardwick and Zachary Robichon, who we'll talk about a little later on. Um, so, strong results there in European Le Mans. One series, um, but Iron Links, uh, a bit of a transition for Iron Links. They're no longer with Ferrari because they're going to be the Lamborghini GTE and Hypercar team. Um, but they isn't a Lamborghini GTE, so they got a Porsche, I guess. <laughs> 
Yeah, so basically, they're when they're making the, their their deal with Lamborghini, Lamborghini was uh, perfectly fine with having them use a Porsche as kind of they're using their stopgap year, so to speak. Um, they're very good, uh, very competitive in their GT3 program, uh, including um, racing in the Super Trofeo for Lamborghini, having like I don't know, they got five or six cars in that championship. Yeah. So their commitments are very well aligned with Lamborghini. Lamborghini gave them the AOK to race with Porsche, and then next year we'll see everything line up. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's a cool little transition because it means that they get to try out a new car and. The entirety of Iron Iron Links, the drivers have been talking about how cool the Porsche is to drive. So that's, I think that bit is really really cool. Um, and I think you know it's fair that Iron Links didn't want them to still be driving Ferraris if they're going to be swapping to Lamborghinis. I think it's also fair that Ferrari was like, no, you you can't drive our car if you're going to Lamborghini. That's not fair. Um, so this is a nice little stopgap. Um. Iron Lynx, uh, this car has been the weaker of the two. Uh, they're only in uh, 10th in the championship in the WEC at the moment, uh, with a zero points from both Portimao and Spa, which is not what you want. Um, but they did take a, a few points um, from Sebring. Uh, do you reckon this car is going to be the, the powerful car for Iron Lynx, or is it going to be the, the other one, uh, which we'll talk about a little later on? Yeah, that's going to be the other one. I, I don't... I don't I... Claudio Giovanni, I don't really rate him that much. I, he may have two other good guys in the barrel of the gun there, but yeah, I don't think this will be a, the better of the two. Okay, we'll leave Iron Lynx there for now. We'll come back to them a little later on. Uh, the next car on the WEC entry is the number 77 Dempsey Proton Racing, featuring one of the stalwarts of uh, the WEC. I think it's the only remaining driver to have competed at every single WEC round, and that is bronze driver and head of Proton Racing, Christian Reed. Um, he is joined by Mikkel Pedersen uh, as the silver driver from Denmark, and a young up-and-coming Porsche factory driver Julian Andlauer is the filler in that one, the uh, the gold Raider driver in that one. Uh, Christian Reed, first of all, he is, as I said, the only driver remaining that has done every single WEC event. How do you rate his prowess as a bronze driver? With that much experience, I, I, I think I rate him maybe not as high as maybe like Bovie or Keating, but he, I think if we're talking about the grid as a whole, I think it ha- he has to rate right, uh, right up there. This car, I mean, when you take a look at the sister car as well, I think this will be the better of the two. I mean, Julian Andlauer and Michael Pedersen, Michael Pedersen's kind of just arriving on the scene, and I've been impressed with him so far. So I, I, I think that Christian Reed, especially with him in the helm, I think this car will be just fine. So yeah, Christian Reed has been has been around for uh, as we said a long time. Um, but it seems this car, the, the performance in this car is kind of coming on in waves, and at the moment it's in a bit of a, a, a down wave, so to speak. So they they took a, a second place, a fighting second place at Sebring, um, but then uh, Portimao they're outside the top five, and Spa they just managed to finish in the top ten. Uh, so it's not exactly been going uh, all smooth guns raising, uh, well smooth sailing rather for for the number seventy seven. Um, so Hopefully, uh, Proton are able to figure out something and put that car up the field. Um, we will talk about another one of the Proton cars a little later on, um, which has a, a bit of an interesting connection to this car besides 
just the team name. Uh, we'll go to the number 83, the Richard Mille by AF Corsa machine. So AF Corsa, of course, this is a Ferrari. Uh, and this is a very interesting story as well. This this car has Luis Perez Compagnac as the uh, bronze driver. Oh, sorry. Luis Perez Compagnac as the bronze driver. Um, Alessio Rivera as the platinum driver and Lilo Wadu, the young French driver, the young French female driver as the silver driver. Now this car made a little bit of history at Spa, the last round out, uh, because it won, it won its class. It was the, the class winner in GTE at Spa, making Lilo Wadu the first woman to win to place yeah well, to to win a class in a WEC event so a, an incredible achievement for for her and for the team uh and it's really showing that you can perform uh when given the right uh right equipment um well that Lily would do rather can perform given the right equipment and then that there's opportunities for female drivers in this series absolutely that's fantastic i mean we knew we knew about this with the Iron Dames already when they won the 24 hours of Spa in the gold class, that they have a place in motorsport and no one should doubt that they do. Mm. Um, and they almost actually, uh, the AF Corsa team, if we remember, like you said, that battle with Philippe uh, Corvette at Portimao, it was a very, very entertaining battle where you really didn't know who was going to win until halfway to the final lap, that the history could have been made there, but I'm glad they got it done at Spa. Lido really was her, her. Just to mention her career, she went from Alpine Elf Europa Cup, which normally supports either random like international GT Open or other other random championships across Europe, to racing LMP2s with the I believe it was the uh, Richard Mille car. I and, think, and it, then winning was and it winning of course. I thought it was uh, the Richard Mille car. Uh, yes, you're right. And... Sorry, my my mistake. I've got so much vague racing memory in my head at the moment, it's hard to remember who's gone where when. <laughs> so she went from racing basically an Al- Alpine GT4 Cup to a Oreca LMP2 to a Ferrari GTE. A bit of a roundabout way of doing things, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, not, not exactly the most... Uh, orthodox career path but you know her career is still just starting she's what she's 20 22 she is and she's got a a wec class victory under her belt she's got to drive in lmp2 for two seasons or for a season and now driving in gtm so you know the the world is her oyster as they like to say so you know this car has taken a race win this season it's taken a second place this season and you know signs point to the fact that it could Take a win, Lamar, this season. Oh, very well, good. Uh, next on the WC entry is another car. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, yes, another car uh, with a strong female contingent. In fact, an entirely female contingent of drivers. This is the second of the Iron Lynx cars, and this is the Iron Dames. Uh, this would be the very, very bold pink Porsche uh, that everyone will be able to see from literally miles and miles and miles away. This has bronze driver as Sarah Bovie, who has been one of the standout bronze drivers of the season, and she has in the car with her silver-rated Michelle Gatting and gold-rated Rahel Frey. Now, the Iron Dames have been 
very, very close to breaking a WEC win on multiple occasions. They took a win in the ELMS last season, um, but they haven't quite got it done in the WEC just yet. Uh, you've said, though, uh, this this car has been a half of the, the nicest, fiercest rivalry of any uh, WEC uh, rivalry that we've got between Bovey and, and Keating. It's just kind of wonderful to see that that friendship rivalry develop over the course of the last few seasons. It's just nice to have that little uh, ribbing going on compared to other championships where, you know, rivalries can kind of get toxic and, you know, draw, draw the line in the sand. And, and this, this is just a little bit of fun. I mean, people are cheering for both. Maybe people may, you know, have their favorites. People may like Keating more. People may like Bobby more, but oh no, it's all good fun. It's just, Hopefully we could continue that at Le Mans. They could get really close with the competition here at the, uh, along with Corvette and hopefully at the front of the field doing that. And it's it's fun, but it's also fierce. You know, they've been locked in horns, especially in qualifying, uh, you know, the whole season. You know, the, currently the score stands at one pole for uh, for Bovey, and that was at Sebring, so at Ben Keating's home track, and then one pole for, for Keating uh, at Portimao. And then, the you know, uh, Ahmed, uh, Ahmed Al-Hadi came in and stole the party at Spa. Um, but it's they've been really, you know, spurring each other to get better as well, which has been wonderful and you know with with Michelle Gadding and Rahel Frey two e- e- extremely solid drivers in that lineup it's it's no wonder that the uh, Iron Dames have been such a, a high performer the last season and a half yeah I think it's for this program I think it's a matter of when not if for the chance that victory I I personally believe that the, the, the crew they have right now is too good for them to not win they had so many chances come their way and unfortunately, nothing came to fruition yet. But who knows? Maybe, maybe uh, they they like to get their first wins in a series at the at the big event. They got <laughs> that twenty four hours of spa, the gold class. Maybe they'll get the win at Le Mans. And it's been kind of wonderful, uh, you know, that this project that has been running since 2019 has been able to really shine the light on, on women in motorsports, women in sports cars and offer these opportunities, which, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, Sarah Bovey, Michelle Gatting, Rahel Frey have been able to take with both hands and really, you know, make a household name for themselves. You know, you know, even though, you know, like, Frey and Gatting have had long careers already. The the fact that we're able to put them in such a competitive car, which suits their you know their talent, and then they can be developed even further, and they can help develop the likes of Sarah Bovey or Dorian Pin is is you know it's a great thing for the sport. Absolutely, and as they continue to progress, hopefully we'll see more and more would come through the ranks and uh, have even more further success. Absolutely right. Uh, next up on the list is the number 86 GR Racing uh, Porsche. So this is uh, the car of Mike Wainwright as the bronze, and this is his sort of race team that he's been running the WEC for the past five or six seasons. Oh, actually, it's probably even longer than that. Uh, I think GR Racing as golf racing was uh, active back in 2016. So at least, you know, seven years at this point in time uh, has Michael Wainwright be on, been on the WC circuit. Um, he's joined by uh, Ricardo Pereira, uh, Pereira as the silver driver and Benjamin Barker, longtime co-driver, as the gold driver. Uh, now, long-time listeners of Endurance Chat might be aware of my, uh, how do I put it, um, interesting 
opinion uh, about Mike Wainwright and his driving efforts. And I will say that I've been significantly more oppressed, uh, oppressed, impressed with him since he's gotten his hands on the 911 RSR, the 2019 version. Um, but Chris, uh, GR Racing's chances very much hinge on Mike Wainwright doing well and. How would you how how would you go at quantifying the likelihood of that? Uh, how soon can you send me a million bucks? That's about. <laughs> I think that I think they have no chance of winning. No chance. Not even not I, even not even like an outside chance of a, a top five or something like that. Based from what I've seen this season, they're basically going to need the majority of the field to have problems. I'm sorry. The I, maybe the Para and Barker. Maybe they're pretty decent, but I, yeah, I don't think that's good enough to be competitive. So just to to tie off a little bit of context as well, um, GR Racing are currently eleventh place in the WC Championship. Pardon me. Um, and all of their points came from the Sebring race, uh, and they've had two finishes outside the top ten at Portimao and at Spa. Um, you know, this is not unlikely you know this is a trend that we've noticed over a number of years and as much as you want these am drivers to do well and to to develop sometimes you know they are just not great but whatever whatever they're out there having a fun time and adding to the color of the class which is important and you know benjamin barker is a great driver in his own right and while he's in the car it will be doing some cool things um so yeah be excited for that i guess uh Whereabouts on the on the field do you reckon this finish? Do you, do you reckon they'll get a top 10? Uh, how many cars do we have in this class? Around 21? 21. So they'd have to finish in the top half. That's... I think they'll finish between like 10th or 15th. I think they might have... They might like not have any issues. They might uh, get lucked out with all the other cars uh, having some problems. But yeah, I don't know. Top 10 is... Uh, that might be pushing it. I'll be glad to be proven wrong, though. Yeah, I mean, always, always glad to be proven wrong, especially when we're making these sort of predictions. Always glad to be proven wrong. I, I, and if I, if we are proven wrong, you are more than welcome, people listening to this podcast, to absolutely flame me on Discord or in the comments or whatever, whatever. And like, I'll take it. I, I'll be very happy to take it. But I don't think I'll be wrong. <laughs> um. The second Proton car, number 88, uh, traditional for Proton to run 77 and 88. Uh, the 88 car uh, will be another Porsche, of course. And this car has a very interesting connection and a very interesting debut uh, in this one. So the bronze driver is Donald Yont, who is uh, racing from IMSA, uh, does a lot of racing in IMSA. Um, the silver driver is Jonas Reed, which is the son of Christian Reed. So he's making his WEC debut in this car. Um, and they're Joined by uh, just, you know, someone who used to race in LMP1, has taken a few victories. Don't know if you've heard of him. Harry Tinknell. Uh, apparently, he's quite good. Uh, so, <laughs> it's a bit of a, bit of a you know, Hail Mary draw in that car for Harry Tinknell. But uh, really, really cool to see Jonas Reed get given an opportunity and to be slotted in as a second-generation racer in the WEC, as a, as a WEC second generation racer, that's really, really cool. Uh, but this is, this is a bit of a, bit of a difficult car to get a read on because of that, Chris. Yeah. And like pretty much Harry Ticknell's role, he is the pro, but he's pretty much the driver coach, isn't yeah. he? Cause you got Donald Yount, 
who is he's he's the am and I, some would say not the best but would you, you say that chris yeah i, I got <laughs> yeah so so rot so uh Ticknell will be teaching him how to go through the track quicker than got jonas reed who's coming off i believe the Attempted uh, a single seater career. I believe UAE F4 was one of the series he competed in, jump, making the jump to sports cars pretty early, saving him some money in the process, probably. Um, so, yeah, Harry Ticknell is basically the the, the driver coach. Yeah. You know, young and old. He's, he's, he's basically being employed by Christian Reed to say, you know, teach my dri- my son how to drive, and also this guy, other guy how to drive. Pretty, pretty much. Um. Interesting though to have uh, Ticknell in the Proton setup because uh, Proton are expecting delivery of their new Porsche 963 hypercar at some point and Ticknell would be, you know, someone with top class experience. would be quite a, quite a cool driver to have uh, in your back pocket if you wanted to go race hypercar, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that Mazda factory prototype driver, no biggie. Exactly. Um, what, what do we rate this guy's chance? Just quickly, Don Yount. Now, remind me, was Don Yount one of the guys who was racing in LMP2 in IMSA when they had, like, two cars? And it was, like, Don Yount and then the, the guys that were, like, doctors or something? Or chiropractors or something? Yeah, I believe Don Yount was one of the original guys of LMP2 uh, when, it, when they originally split. Yeah. Plus, he was also back racing in the uh, prototype challenge days oh that long ago blimey prototype challenge remember that (laughs) (laughs) i try not to um so with that in mind what do we rate these guys chances this is interesting because uh jonas reed that that you know that's a new part of the equation we don't know how well he's going to adapt his car yet they got harry ticknell who is we know who harry ticknell is I don't know. I think this is this might only be like a. I don't know. This is a very tough one to call. I think uh, I'm going to say middle of the road here. Yeah, I, I think it hinges a lot on how Jonas gets up to speed. Because if Jonas turns into a gun, then we we might have something special in our hands. But if if Jonas is still trying to get up to speed, you know, as much as we'd like to be kind yant was yant is probably a bit of an anchor for the for the other two drivers so we'll, we'll see how that kind of plays out uh we've got two more wc full season cars to get through before we get to talk about some of the new cars uh for this entry uh so we'll crack on through um the second of the aston martins uh in the wc full season is the northwest amr which is now no longer Northwest AMR, but it still has to be called Northwest AMR because the entry is Northwest AMR, but they not. It's complicated. Um, but the the long and short of it is uh, Northwest is uh, the company of Paul Dallana, who since uh, his a uh, race in Portimao has decided to retire. Um, so Paul Dallana will no longer be racing in the WEC, which is very very sad. Um, but he did take with him a GTM championship and a podium at Le Mans. So, uh, you know, it's, we will miss Dallana from the entry, but uh, he has had quite a storied career. So 
Uh, all the very best to him, and hopefully one day we'll see him back racing. This car has been taken over in the meantime by uh, Heart of Racing, uh, a team based out of America. And so the, the drivers for this car are bronze-rated Ian James, uh, silver-rated Daniel Mancinelli, and Alex Ribeiras as the gold. Uh, all th- Well, I, I'm aware that Ian James and Alex Ribeiras have raced in the States, uh, but Daniel Mancinelli, I'm not sure where he has come from. Yeah, Daniel Mancinelli, he has raced in the past, I believe, in Pirelli World Challenge, which was a precursor to GT World Challenge Europe. Yep. Or GT World Challenge America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, like what you said, the reason why they had to keep the name Northwest AMR, this is not confirmed, but I think this is basically accepted, that if they had to, if they just renamed it the Heart of Racing, that would constitute as a new team, and the people on the reserve list may not like that too much. So that's possibly the reason why they had to keep the team name. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where the ACO, uh, as the uh, you know arbitrators of the WEC and of Lamar, have this rule that you're not allowed to change your name during the season because the the entry is under that specific team name. And we've seen this come to a head before. I think uh, one year there was a, a entry under Saad Morand, um, wherein between the entry being submitted and accepted, uh, Saad pulled all their funding. So the entry was accepted, but they but you know Saad were no longer part of the team, but the team still had to be called Saad Morand for the entire season. Otherwise, the rest of the team would have to be paying like an additional entry fee as a, a new entry every single time. So it's one of those things where it's a bit of politics malarkey, but uh, what do you expect? Anyway, this car, um, Heart of Racing, very well dr- drilled team in IMS competition. Uh, I'm not as familiar with their driver's uh, in relation to their skill level in, you know, European competition, this car did take a uh, a six points at Spa-Francorchamps, which I think relates, uh, I think that's worth uh, seventh place on the grid. So, you know, not great, not terrible. You know, it's halfway up the field. Um, what do you make of the, the team composition, the team lineup, and the drivers of this car, Chris? Yeah, uh... Maybe some North American bias here, but I think they'll do pretty well. They got uh, the drivers, they've been racing Aston Martins for a pretty long time. I believe the Aston Martins anyway are pretty much just like between the GTE and the GT3 to kind of just like hit they swap over. So I think they'll be doing just fine with this car. Um, the Daniel Mitchell might need some time taking the working with the Aston Martins, but I think these the guys will probably crack top 10. Cracker top ten, okay, that's pretty bold. Of course, they are they are in the Aston Martin, which we've mentioned already has not had a good strike rate in the WEC. In fact, um, the next this car and the next car, uh, both Aston Martins are both at the bottom of the WEC championship. Um, should we be worried if we're an Aston Martin fan, or if we are we seeing a bit of a change in tides and we're seeing a, a bit of a kind of BOP? We're seeing a change in tides because the BOP got switched up from from Spa. So we, we don't have the same BOP we had the first two rounds of the season with Aircap tight back a bit. So I think uh, if you're an Aston Martin fan, I would, uh, I would breathe a little bit. 
Fantastic, because there's a few more AF uh, so Aston Martins on the list that are coming in. So we wanna we wanna have good vibes from Aston Martin fans. Um, we've got one more car on the WEC entry before we start talking about the fun stuff. Uh, this is the D Station Racing Number Triple Seven Aston Martin. Um, this car has uh, Satoshi Hoshino uh, as the bronze driver with longtime co-driver Tomonobu Fuji um, as the gold, and they're joined by Casper Stevenson. Or Stevenson, or Steve, I think it's Stevenson um, from Great Britain as the silver. Now, Hoshino and Fuji, we'll talk about them a little bit later on because they've got quite a history together. Casper Stevenson, who is he? What is he doing here? <laughs> I mainly remember him. I believe he raced for Garage 59 in the past with uh, in the GT World Challenge Europe. He's been kind of all right. Now, he, nothing really stuck out to me from him. But yeah, uh, re- reaching here with Aston Martin, especially with a uh, kind of a fan favorite D station because uh, because they have a uh, history racing in Japan. Um, with, a lot uh, of history racing in Japan. Yep, Super Taiku and Super GT. So yeah, I'm glad they got Casper uh, Stevenson here in the lineup. I know D station may not uh, be the best on pace overall in the race. But I mean, it's a it's a fun looking car. The Athens are fun. This is a fun livery. Uh, they might not do the best. Like they might, you might not, you might, you might not see them in the front battling it out. But I think uh, this car will get plenty of screen time, and hopefully not for the wrong reasons. Hopefully, well, I mean, if they do their normal strategy and put Tomonobu Fuji in first, they you'll get a, a fair bit of screen time because he'll be a gold racing up against mostly bronze drivers, and he does very well uh, in the early stints of races. He's he's got a lot of a lot of occasions where he's put that car quite a ways out in front. Um, unfortunately, uh, Satoshi Hoshino in WEC competition doesn't quite have the same standard as some of the other bronze drivers, and you know we've made mention of him right at the very top of the podcast where. You know, he was in a situation in the Porsche curves where he was being lapped and a car collected uh, him. You know, not really no fault of his own, but like it's a bit of a, a tit for, not not a tit for tat thing, but it's like a two to tango. So Hishino getting past wasn't in that section of track, wasn't really experienced aware and got cleaned up which again wasn't his fault but like it's it's still something that's been a, a marker against him and you know with Chris you'd understand this intimately more than anyone else with how uh let's say uh invested uh certain American fans can be of you know the Corvette yeah. the fact that it was the Corvette that crashed into him and got taken out of the race um it, it became quite a, a a controversial moment for something that didn't really have to be all that controversial. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people have continued to remember that when really Hoshino has been, you know, broadly fine otherwise. Yeah, if you don't know the stereotype of the uh, the Corvette fan, I, I feel for you. You've been so innocent for so long. But yeah, uh, that's one of the unfortunate things that if there's a Corvette involved, especially at Le Mans, where this might turn into a rant, where American American sports car fans watch the only European race out of the year and think they know everything, it gets kind of annoying. Uh, so, the, so they have all these hot takes. So yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it comes down to that when the Corvette is involved. But hopefully, the fingers crossed in the bad this year. Yeah, I I remember last year. You know the unfortunate incident between uh friend. Uh, uh, who was it? Francois Perotto and uh the Corvette uh which had um. Wasn't Nicky Katzberg at the wheel at the time? 
beats me. I, uh, I or, uh, or it might have been Alexander Sims. Anyway, where, where you know, that moment on the Mulsanne straight where the, you know, uh, Francois Perodo made that, you know, slight jinx to the right and took out the Corvette, it, um, it was, you know, something that was really just a, you know, barely even a moment worth talking about besides the fact that it, you know, had destroyed the Corvette and there were people calling for Perotto to get his racing license revoked and get disqualified uh, and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, nah, man. Even making a conspiracy where, you know, because they cut to a shot where like one of the other AF Corsa garages, like the GT cars, and they were clapping. So they, but, you know, because the, the I guess there's a guest in there like oh one of our competitors is out yay and you know and that generally is not something you do in sports car paddock yeah it was uh, all a bit all a bit weird yeah but unfortunately you know people tried to link it to like oh they were in cahoots and and it it was obviously not you saw the look on proto's face he was so distraught like he went to the corvette crew he apologized like yeah you know shouldn't have happened you know but yeah unfortunately it's unfortunate but uh which is hopefully we uh, avoid that situation this year. Yeah, and like I think this is a good time to take a sidebar quickly and just kind of talk about the fact that having uh, GT GTE cars at Lamar uh, is you know part and parcel of the multi class aspect of it and the traffic mm-hmm. aspect of it. Uh, but you know there is skill in being passed as much as there is skill in passing other drivers, and so. You know, it's something that we haven't really talked about much. We've made mention of it is that experience in these cars and experience in these races and experience being passed makes the, you know, is, is a key component of being a good AM driver or being a good GT driver because, you know, you've got faster cars around you all the time um, and you've got to be as aware of them as sometimes they are of you. And we've seen some monster accidents with um, AM drivers and GT cars with the prototypes. And that's, you know, not just one-off occasions. It, you know, there's one one in- altercation pretty much every year. Yeah, it's 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 part of the event. Yeah, it normally I think what they have people do in the states is if you are the slower car, is be predictable. I yeah. don't know that I think that's generally uh, approved around the world, but sometimes without you know without going too uh, rated R stuff happens. Yeah, sometimes. You hit a bump and you lose control of the car, or you're, you know, you're passing slower traffic yourself. Um, it's it's just part of sports car racing, and it's unfortunate that it seems like after every single incident, people need to be race control. It's like maybe I mean this is a hot take. <laughs> maybe it, there's some accidents where no one's at fault. It was just a racing incident. Like stuff happened between between the two. And it, it, that's that. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's just, I don't know, the over scrutiny of individual racing moves. Like, there'll be one inch of contact with somebody, and people are out calling for penalty. Like, come on, get a grip. 
And, and you think about as well, this is one maybe instance uh, in a 24-hour event wherein some drivers have been driving for six hours, eight hours, 12 hours at some point of the race. So, you know, it's it's not unlikely that, you know, even in the dead or night of or in the morning after that there's the, you know, fatigue happening and drivers get tired and make, you know, sloppy thoughts and sloppy decisions when they're traveling at 300 kilometers per hour past another car on, you know, the middle of the whole Mulsan Highway. <laughs> Yeah, it's hopefully, you know, we, we don't have any incidents. That's what everybody hopes for. But it's racing. There's going to be contact. There's going to be a crash, especially with the biggest grid as we have. And it's, hopefully it's just a non-controversial as possible, if that makes sense. <laughs> Fingers, arms, legs, toes, and eyes crossed. Okay, so Chris, we talked about the 14 WEC full season entries. They are joined by a further seven cars uh, which have been invited either through winning championships, winning ACO championships, um, or through being, I guess, you know, cool guys and uh, getting an entry that way. Um, so we've got, uh, I think, how many? We've got, I think, uh, six cars that have been invited through winning uh, a championship or placing second in a championship. And then that leaves one car left over, um, which I don't, know off the top of my head which one it is. Oh wait, no, yes I do. It's the it's the Proton Competition car, but there's a special re- well, there's a reason why that car's been invited. So let's go into these uh extra entries. So the first one off the rank is the number 16 Proton Competition Porsche. Um this one is uh a car uh that has gotten its entry through the ELMS, oh no, so sorry, through uh, the IMSA Sports Car Championship, uh, and it's for Ryan Hardwick as the bronze driver. Now, Ryan Hardwick was the best placed uh, amateur driver in GTD um, last season, and so as part of that, got an invite into Le Mans, and he's joined by silver driver Zachary Robichon, um, who many would remember as the uh, uh, the Pla- uh, Plaf Porsche, Plaf, yeah, it's Faf Porsche um, driver, uh, and he's uh, also with Jan Halen, um, which is a pretty cool driver pickup. Yeah, uh, Zachary Robuchon, I believe, also races for Wright Motorsports and IMSA yes. full-time. Uh, and then Jan Halen also with uh, Wright, but also does uh, GP World Challenge America with the Wright team as well. So he has plenty of seat time in a Porsche, how does that translate to a GTE? Oh, we're going we're gonna to find out. Uh, but yeah, very, very competent crew. Ryan Harwick, my, probably the weaker of the lineup here, but th- this should be relatively uh, fun to watch. I think it might be uh, top 10 material. Top 10 material straight off the rank. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, Robichon think- and Halen are two very quality drivers to bring along if you're Ryan Hardwick making the trip across the pond for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. It- especially you want to be around teammates that you know how um you know the which setup works for who and just have that camaraderie it's much easier going into the mall when you know what to expect you know you know versus you know going into a, a into a garage and meeting your teammate for the first time and trying to figure out you know how to deal with that so yeah uh, so that's the that's the first one. The next of the the additional entries is a pretty special entry. So this is the GMB Motorsport car. Uh, they're driving an Aston Martin. Now this is the championship winners, pardon me, of the Michelin Le Mans Cup last season. So they're graduating 
pardon me, from GT3 into GTE with the Aston Martin. Now, this uh, lineup has uh, Jens Rello Moller and Gustav Dahlmann Birch as a pa- the pair of Danish drivers um, who are the uh, two main drivers of the team. And they're joined by another Danish driver in Marco Sorensen. This is the Dane train. The Dane train's back. It's a different Dane train, but the Dane train. <laughs> Yeah, uh, GMB Motorsport, uh, if you haven't been following on last year, they were racing Hondas in Le Mans Cup. I believe they still do Honda this year, but they have uh, an Aston uh, for the 24 hours of Le Mans. Uh, so, and they're also racing ELMS uh, with an Aston as well. So they definitely stepped up their game, their program for next for this year. Uh, especially it's going to be interesting to see what they do next year. They still want to continue on with the Honda. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, very, very awesome lineup. And and they've jumped into the Aston because uh, there isn't a Honda GTE machine, correct? Uh, this is correct. Yeah. Um, do we know uh, if they're receiving any support from any other teams? You know, are they, are they falling under the, the TF Sport banner or the AMR banner? Uh, Nothing that I heard from yet. Okay, okay. So, uh, with that in mind, Chris, what do you expect? What are your expectations from this team? Keeping in mind that they are graduating from Lamar Cup and it's their first time out with this car in this spec at this track. Uh, are we are we expecting them to to set the world on fire? I wouldn't think so. They're just going to go out and uh, it sounds cliche, but pretty much have some fun here. Uh, first time at Lamar, they're going to make the most of it. And like, hey, what a way to do it to win your way through the the GT three Michelin Lamar Cup banner. That's that's a really really cool achievement. So all the very best to them. So next yeah. up on the entry list is a stalwart of Lamar competition, stalwart of ACO competition. Back at Lamar once again, it's JMW Motorsport, the number sixty six Ferrari. This time around, they have with them uh, Giacomo Petrobelli, Louis Prete, and Thomas Neubauer. So I suspect Chris that this will have some level of uh, the APM Monaco livery on it uh, for the JMW car. Uh, uh, as uh, Louis Prete and uh, I'm not sure if Petrobelli, but definitely Prete has raced with the the Monaco colours before. Um, JMW Motorsport, how have they been going this season? Uh, they only had uh, one race uh, at Barcelona, and from what I remember, I don't recall them being in the forefront too much. But uh, I think they won Le Mans one time in the history. It'd be nice to see them get a second one. They're kind of one. If it if it makes sense, they're kind of like one of the last like teams that come from like a decade ago, because you had like like GMW Motorsports been like pretty much through it all. Yeah, like, they've been, they're thick and thin. Like if you take a look at the ELMS entry list, you could probably they're probably like the most long standing team on that. So yeah, I hopefully they'll just do good. Uh, maybe they might not get the results that you know they're hoping for maybe they won't get a win but you know they'll they'll get like a top 10 or something something that's interesting to me though chris is that these drivers newbauer petrobelli and prete haven't raced this season like i can't see uh anything that um prete or petrobelli have have done in aco competition this season uh like at all yeah that's uh that is interesting i know um the elms car 
has the whole grid motorsport kind of thing on it, which is an eight, like an Asian team. There might be an Asian round somewhere that's having their hands tied somewhere where they have to go there instead of Lamar. But uh, yeah, so, uh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so normally JMW Motorsports um, has uh, a different set of drivers in it. Uh, f- well, sorry, for this season. Oh, yeah. Um. Okay, so they finished third at Barcelona, and I'm looking up one of the drivers that raced in a car. And if I remember correctly... That would be Lancaster, Hannafin, and Berry then. Yeah, so Hannafin, if I remember correctly, he races in Porsche Cups. And there is a Porsche Carrera Cup Germany race that same exact weekend. Okay. Interesting. So that that might be uh, the reason why we don't see him in that car. I mean, I don't know about you, Chris, but I'd rather race at Le Mans if it was me. And there's also ADAC GT Masters that weekend too, so he might be if if he's not racing a Cup car, he might be racing a GT3 car. I think yeah. I heard something along those lines there. But yeah. Fair enough. Maybe it's an arrangement that Prete had prior to the season with JMW that this would be the car that they would run. Anyway, this is the team that's here. Um, JMW are a good team, and they're a team that has uh, quite a lot of experience, as we may have mentioned before. Um, with this driver lineup, Chris, what are your rec- what is your reckoning for the chances? I haven't heard too much of Giacomo Petrobelli. Yours, Prete, I know, is a good am, and Neubauer has kind of burst onto the scene um, with, uh, I think, BMW in the GT World Challenge Sprint Series. Um, but what, what do you make of the the success rate for JMW with this lineup? I think middle of the road. I, I think it's going to be too bad, but I don't see them like competing for a win either. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, we'll move down to the second of the TF Sport Aston Martins. This car has uh, Arnold and Maxime Robin in it as the bronze and silver driver, and they're joined by Valentin Hasklot as the gold rated driver. Uh, now these guys have been racing in the ELMS this season. Well, they've done the Barcelona race this season, and I'll quickly see whereabouts they finished. Um. And in fact, they didn't. Uh, they were taken out as part of their lap, that lap one incident, um, yep. which t- also took out uh, Christian Reed's car and um, Jens Moller's car. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, uh, not quite the start to the season they would have been after. A bit hard to get a read on where they're at. Uh, but Chris, uh, Maxim and Arnold Robin, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so they've been kind of, put, I believe they started GT4s. And they've been racing together for a bit. Interestingly, I believe the livery is kind of Pescarolo-esque. It has those colors on it. It's a very yeah. nice. So, I don't know. I think it, it, it sounds like a broken record, but maybe not at the front of the field, but maybe not at the back of it either. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I have just taken a look at the livery um, because you piqued my interest and I posted it in our live discussion, um, but it is a specifically a tribute to the 1973 Matra uh, winning uh, livery of uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans, um, which had Henry Pescarolo at the car. So it is the, the sapphire blue with the neon green uh, trimmings and... Oh boy, that 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 does things to me, Chris. I love that color combination. It's beautiful. I mean, that's really the theme of this. I mean, 
it's beautiful cars just across the board. Mm. Um, and interesting to note, um, it's uh, the the Maxim and Arnold are brothers, and I think also local to Lamar. Um, and then ha- Valentin Hascott is a, a is a friend of uh, the Pescarolo family. So uh, I guess I guess it all makes sense that they've they've um, done this tribute livery for for Pescarolo. A small world. Yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful little world that we live in. Um, number seventy four is the next on the entry list. This is the second of the Kessel Racing cars, and this is the entry that they've earned through uh, placing second in the European Le Mans series last year. Um, but this is a bit of an interesting entry. It's uh, entirely driven by Japanese drivers. So we have um, Yorikatsu uh, Tsujiko. Uh, Naoki Yokimizo and uh, Kei Cozzolino as the trio of drivers. Uh, now, I suspect, Chris, and correct me if I'm inevitably wrong, um, this is a trio of drivers that has come from Super GT or Super Taiku? More than likely, yes. Yeah. So Naoki Yokimizo, he raced uh, Super Formula in the past. As of recently, he has been racing in GT World Challenge Asia and looks like he picked up some wins, at least in class. In that, so very, very good showing. And then the other guy, it might be the Money Man, because this is a different livery than what you would expect. It is a Panos car, which I it is a it's a Japanese brand. I don't know exactly what Panos is, but they sponsor the Gander Nissan team in Super GT and GT300. So they got some racing presence outside of the ball already. It's gonna be interesting. This 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 definitely does pop. It's kind of a kind of a unorthodox. It's it's an interesting livery. It might not be uh, as the others, but yeah, you'll definitely won't miss this out on track. Okay, okay. Um, and and Kay Cozzolino is a is a driver that kind of burst onto the WEC radar um, at Fuji. Funnily enough, um, in the car guy racing Kessel racing car um, with a battle with. Uh, uh, Giancarlo Fisichella, uh, where they were banging doors down the main straight, and it really announced Cozzolino's uh, sort of prowess and and uh, hard-headedness to the WEC world, because he ended up winning that battle with Giancarlo Fisichella, and if you can win a, you know, battle on track against a former F1 driver, you must be doing something right. Especially, I believe, Fisichella even won Formula 1 race, so an F1 winner at that. Yeah. So he's he's Cozzolino is someone definitely to check out um just for the excitement that he brings um to to the to the to the scene and it's a little odd having a, a Japanese flags driver with the last name Cozzolino which is you know very Italian. <laughs> yeah, he started. I believe he's kind of at least for me he started his way with Italian teams. I remember he he had been racing with uh, Vincenzo Sospiri racing in the Asian Le Mans Championship. Yeah, so it's a, a kind of weird and interesting collision of worlds there. Um, got, uh, I think we've got two more cars, Chris. Two more cars before we've uh, done this entry list. Uh, goes quick now, doesn't it? Uh, we've got the uh, number one hundred is the next one, and this is a little bit of an interesting car. So this is a walking horse motorsport Ferrari. Now you might be thinking, Floody, why is you talking about Walking Horse Motorsport, the team that's raced forever in BMWs, racing a Ferrari? Well, this team was the team that won the uh, Asian Le Mans series 
in a BMW, but the Asian Le Mans series runs GT3 spec for their GT class, whereas this is GTE. So they've had to find a GTE car and they have settled on the Ferrari. Um, and so this team has uh, Andrew Harianto, Chandler Hull, and Jeffrey Siegel, uh, which are, I believe, former, well, Jeffrey Siegel at least, a former GTE class winner, a, a GTE M class winner from 2000, and, I want to say 18. Or, or even earlier, maybe 2014. Um, but still, quite a weird mix of drivers in that car, Chris. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the reason why they couldn't do a BMW because they were they, they were looking at it. Uh, unfortunately, the ACO denied it because the car was out of homologation. So really, ah. nothing they could really do. So yeah, so it was unfortunate. I think people would be happy to see the M8 back for one last hurrah, but. I mean, if it's against the rules, nothing much, nothing, nothing really much you can do. Yeah. So Chandler Hull and uh, well, yeah. Firstly, Chandler Hull. Who is Chandler Hull? Why, why was he racing a BMW in the Asian Le Mans series? All right. So Chandler Hull was racing BMWs last year, I believe, with Femur World and GT World Challenge America. And yep. he's kind of an up and comer on the scene. He has, I believe, this is his only second or third year in the GT3 category. So he's kind of an up and coming. And he also brings the Macintosh sponsorship, which I believe it's something involving music. You'll, you'll see kind of like uh, song notes on the car as part of the uh, bluish and black livery. That's pretty cool. Um, I do I do quite like that. They've added um, uh, Andrew Harianto, um, who wasn't part of the Asian Le Mans series driver lineup. Um, why do you think that is, Chris? Uh, I... I personally, maybe they couldn't bring in, because normally you would see this lineup and maybe they would bring in something like Bill Oberlin, but you got to remember that uh, IMSA is racing on test day weekend. Yeah. It's not main, it's not main IMSA, but still Michelin challenged for the GT4 guys. And some of the BMW guys like Bill Oberlin are racing with Turner Motorsports on Detroit. So they could possibly not make it to Le Mans due to their test day requirements, you know, because I believe they also have to be at the scrutineering as well. Mm. So they're probably hamstrung with that. I'm sure they probably would have liked to have Bill Oberlin or something along the lines in there. Um, but actually, it's it, wait, it's a bit I, of a weird I'm so, one. I'm so I, I'm so because he's the bronze, isn't he? Yeah. So so sorry, Chandler Hull is the. Um, whereabouts are we? Chandler Hull is the silver-rated driver, and yeah, Harianto is the bronze, um, because they raced with Thomas Merrill in, uh, the Asian Le Mans series, uh, so that, hey, Merrill was the bronze in that respect, um, so we're not seeing Merrill on the entry list, um, so, uh, unless Merrill was racing in LMP2, I haven't looked at the LMP2 list closely enough to know that yet, so I guess they, I guess they needed to find a bronze. and why not? Yeah, um, and as well, uh, just quickly, uh, the third driver in their Asian Le Mans series charge, uh, which won the title and won their space in Le Mans, was Nicky Katzberg. Um, so, Katzberg's just been jumping around in everything, so they've had to find not just a, a, a bronze driver for Chandler Hull, but also a, a pro driver. And yeah, Jeff Siegel is is a pretty good pro driver to pick up in that respect. Um, I was uh, I was wrong. It, Jeff Siegel actually won uh, the uh, GCM in 20, uh, let me get this right because I've got it in front of me, 2016 um, with Townsend Bell and Bill Sweetler. So there you are. 
In fact, oh, yeah. in, in fact, out of uh, five starts in uh, GTEM, uh, Bill Sweetler has, uh, sorry, not Bill Sweetler, uh, Jeff Siegel has uh, three podiums and a fifth place. So that's a pretty good strike rate. So, so with that in mind, uh, what do you rate these these chances for Chandler Hull, Andrew Harrianto, and Jeff Siegel? I think this could be up in the top ten. Yeah, even though they've moved, pardon me, to an entirely different car. Ferraris are decent. I think I think they'll do a good job. Well, like okay, I just realized something. Harrianto and Siegel are both traditionally race in Ferraris, so that makes sense then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there we go, everyone. We worked it out. Thank you for coming along to our pot. No, we've still got a little bit more to go. Uh, last car on the entry list is the number 911. This car will have a lot of attention on it, and it's because of the bronze driver. This is the Proton Competition uh, Porsche with uh, TV star and movie star Michael Fassbender behind the wheel. Uh, also in that car is Martin Rump and factory Porsche driver Ricard Leitz. But really, a lot of eyes will be on Fassbender um, as he has been documenting his journey through Porsche Super Cup and European Le Mans Series and now finally to Le Mans um, on YouTube. And you can find that on uh, on YouTube. It's called Road to Le Mans, Michael Fassbender. Um, but... Uh, Fastmender has improved a lot in the last year in that car, and I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, if this car flies, a, a, you know, a bit higher than people expect. It's definitely going to be high profile, that's for sure, because it's not, not often to get a Hollywood superstar uh, to race in your race. So. Well, you, like you say that, but like this race has also had Patrick Dempsey, it's had you know uh, Steve McQueen, it's had. Um, Another very famous driver that's just escaped my head, um, who finished second here once. Um, I, oh, I've forgotten his name. But, you know, that movie stars like driving cars, you know? And, and especially with the guy, Ricard Leeds and they got... Uh, Martin Rump, yeah. Martin, Martin, Martin Rump, who's kind of the newer guy on the scene, although he's been around for a while. Yeah, this definitely is going to be... I wouldn't say... I mean, this is a tough one because if Fassbender can pull it together, I know he can be, I try to say this in the most respectful tone. <laughs> Sometimes he can make mistakes. Yeah. And that's common with, you know, new guy, not playing that against them. If he can keep it on the tarmac, if he can keep all four wheels on the, on the black stuff, this could, uh, I don't feel comfortable saying anything more than around top 10 i reckon this might sneak a top five i reckon this might sneak a top five based and this is based entirely on fassbender's run at barcelona so okay that car did crash out and it, well rather it was crashed into but that was while martin rump was in the car after fassbender had done his stint and fassbender had probably his best stint behind the wheel of a car ever um in that race so i i think something i i think it's clicked for Fassbender. I, I, I really think it has. Um, and with, you know, Martin Rump, who's a very experienced Porsche driver, and Ricard Leitz, who is the most experienced Porsche driver, probably, uh, I, I think they might be on for a good result. I think it might be happening. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that'd be a great story. The mainstream media will probably pick, it up, pick that up as well. Uh, could, could it be bigger than the time Patrick Dempsey finished on the podium? I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> uh, my, the, the, I, I knew, I knew uh, the, the, the whole Dempsey thing happening had gotten big when my mom asked me, oh, 
your, that Patrick Dempsey, he was in that race that you watched, wasn't he? <laughs> I, I knew that we'd gone past the point of no return when that happened. Um, that is the 21 cars, Chris. 21 cars in the GTEM class at Lamar. Now, normally we do predictions at this point. So, Chris, do you want to do some predictions? Uh, I'll go first. Okay, I will, what, uh... what I'll do is I'll let you, I'll ask for a top three. And I'll ask you to pick two wild cards for that as well. So you get five teams. All right. So my first pick is going to be the seventy-seven. Ooh, okay. That was un- that was that was quite surprising. That is the Proton Racing Christian Reed, Michael Pedersen, Julian Anlau car. We go with the eighty-three. Uh, the Ricard Mill AF Corsa, Louis Pereira uh, Compank, and Alessio Rivella with Lilu Wadu. And then the thirty-three. Yeah, I, I I was waiting for you to say the thirty three. That's the Corvette with Katzberg, Keating, and Verone. So I was waiting for that to happen. Now, give me give me two wild cards. Give me two cards that you're going to watch, not necessarily because they're going to win, but because you want to see what happens. Uh, the twenty five and the uh, a finally find it here. The eighty five. So that is the OIT by TF Racing. So that's the Aston Martin, Ahmed Alhati, Michael Dynan, and Charlie Eastwood car. And then the eighty five is the Iron Dames, Sarah Bovey, Michelle Gadding, and Rahel Frey car. Okay, interesting. Why why have you gone with the OIT car in that mix? because uh, they're they're uh, at least in the WEC. They're the best of the Aspens, and uh, the car just, uh, it's gonna be. Uh, and you're looking at. Uh, Charlie East was run as a driver because he is using that experience to prep himself for prepping prototype drives for ELMS. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a really interesting perspective. And uh, as well, what drew you to the seventy seven as your first point of call? That was a bit a bit of a surprise for me. Um, as the the Porsche hasn't really been that strong this season. What what made that stick out for you? They're always up there. I mean, the seventy seven. They're normally like if you want something consistent, you want something that I don't know. It's for some reason what pops into my head is like the seventy-seven. Maybe I just have a fantasy WEC brain going on at the moment, <laughs> where I'm kind of. But the, but it seems like they're the safe pick. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Um, you know, with Christian Reed especially, you know, there is there is literally no one with more experience in the WC than him. Lit- literally no one. So I I think that's 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 fairly safe. Um, I'm gonna be remarkably boring. Um, I'm gonna pick the number thirty three, uh, the number eighty three, and the number eighty five. Uh, you know, which is remarkably boring. So that's the Corvette, the Ricard Mille, of course, and the Iron Dames. So because uh, I think they have been the the three most consistent outfits this season. Um, so yeah, remarkably boring. Sorry guys. Um, but as my my two wild cards. Um, I am going to keep a, a very stern eye, stern eye, uh, a very close eye on the Proton Competition 911. I reckon they've got something in the in the bag that they're willing to show. And I don't really know uh, what else I'm going to be looking for. There's just so much other in this class that is that is good to look for. I, I reckon, yeah, the OIT by TF Sport car is something else I, I think will be one in the mix. And I might as well keep an eye on an Aston Martin, right? So, Chris, that is the end of the GTM entry list. That is our last GTM entry list podcast, Chris. How does that make you feel? Old. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that, isn't it? Because we've been doing this now. This is what our eighth time. So yeah, we've been doing this for a little while. Um, this is this is the end of GTM. It is the end of a, an era in in Lamar history uh, with GT coming to a close. Um, but you know, we we've talked a little bit of reasons as to as to why this is happening. Um, but what what's replacing it? What's coming next for for GT racing at Lamar? Uh, yep. So GT three. Um, that's a simple and short of it. Um. There was obviously some hoopla about GT3 Premium and all of that. And as the clouds start to clear a little bit, it seems like none of that is happening regarding terms of mandatory premium. It sounds like as of now, manufacturers have the choice on if they want to do a old premium kit or not in regarding with the aero package. Yeah. This is what, so basically from what it sounds like, it sounds like it's just going to be regular plain GT3 for next point onwards and it's going to be all basically i believe the same structure as uh, gtem in terms of driver lineups how, how does that make you feel i i i understand it like it's kind of it is kind of sad to see lamar just become another gt3 race um i know people are excited for it um because you know oh gt3 has all these possibilities but then you reach some news where the ACO are trying to uh, limit to two cars per manufacturer, which is great because you get that diversity. But then you you know you kind of lock some teams out, you know, because the the teams are going to be chosen by the manufacturer. Yeah, so it's it, it's it's really tough because they don't have that much sp- uh, space on the grid to uh, be flexible. And I see where they come from, where they want diversity, because I understand that nobody wants to see another Ferrari challenge, where A of Corsa has like half the grid. I think that's, I think it's very understandable why they don't want that. I know some people are mad because, <laughs> oh, you know, they should have free choice or whatever. I know I'd rather have you know, the hard cap two limit, but you know, have some variety on the grid where they have to you know, kind of anyway opinion aside. Base GT three for next year. No pro class in the at least in the in in the near future. Maybe when uh, Mustang bolst- bolsters up their GT3 program, which is starting next year. Mm, maybe yeah. the next couple of years. Maybe the next couple of years, Corvette and Mustang Ford will uh, strong arm the ACO for a pro-, pro class. But as of now, it's just plain old GT3 uh, pro am. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I have mixed feelings about the move to GT3. Of course, it's it's a very easy solution and it will make a lot of people happy. Um, but, you know, I, I will definitely miss A, the GTE cars because they're bonkers. But B, it, the the sort of variety of teams that we've had um, with this, uh, with GTE. You know, the likes of Project One, Kessel Racing, Iron Lynx, JMW, uh, Proton Racing. That you know, these are these are teams that I have ne- would never have heard about if it wasn't wasn't for GTE, GTE specifically, because they don't really race in GT3 racing, at least not the GT3 racing I've been following. Um, I, I worry that these longtime customers of the ACO are going to be maybe maybe not priced out because GTE cars are stupid expensive, but you know. You know, maybe factoried out or worked out because of every GT3 manufacturer wanting their works team to to have a slot. And I, you know, I, I, 
there is some level of exclusivity to Le Mans, which is going away. And, you know, you could argue whether or not that's a good or bad thing. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's a, it's certainly a mixed, a mixed feeling, um, with, with the, the move to GT3 as opposed to GTE. Um, with that in mind, Chris, what are some of your favorite GTE moments at Le Mans? Uh, what, are, what are some of the things that you remember that really stick out as like hallmarks of the GTE experience? Uh, I think 2017 Corvette versus Aston, as much as heart, as a heartbreaker that was watching it in real time, that was definitely one of the highlights of the GTE era. Um, I mean, I, I think the big M8 meme, as much as annoying <laughs> as it can be today, <laughs> it, it was just a staple of its time or even like, there is like non-racing pages I followed where they were posting that meme. So it, it spread quite far. Yeah, it's um, so quickly of, as well. Yeah, it was before 2017, but it was that year where one of the Corvettes crashed and had the chassis written out in practice. And then the other Corvette, the lone Corvette, went out and won the whole thing. Yeah. That was one. Uh, it might have been like 2015, 2016. Uh, I believe um, that was 2015 uh, that uh, that happened. Because I think that was Jan Magnussen that been the car in the Porsche Curves before they changed it. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty pretty impressive that to have, I think, the, the 63 written off and the 64 on the top step of the podium. And then uh, I think I have to give a shout out for 2018. I know this, I believe the safety car kind of ruined that race a bit, but the fact that we had all those GTEs in one in one setting was astonishing, and that was that was hyped up for months. Mm. Uh, just seeing us and seeing you know BMW, Ford, Aston, Corvette, Porsche, Ferrari, just seeing all of that was pretty insane so, yeah and, and as well that year specifically the battles on track like yes the the safety car broke up that that battle at uh, that that class and it meant that you know no one could catch the porsche once the porsche had gotten that minute lead but the reason was the bop was so close that everyone was within a tenth of each other and no one could chase that down they were basically touring cars driving in the molson for 24 hours it was crazy yeah just absolutely insane and it, it, it's going to have some, uh, it's, we're going to be all sitting in our rocking chairs, you know, 80 <laughs> years time and reminiscing on the good old days. Well, yeah, this is, you know, GTE has gone through the, the phase of the good old days, the golden era of GTE with the, the entries of, as you said, Porsche, Ferrari, Aston Martin, Corvette, Ford, and BMW all at the same time. Um, but unfortunately, we have seen the, the decline of the GTE car and the GTE class, um, which has, yeah, put us in this position where this is the last one. Um, I will say one of my favorite memories of GTE was the, the Ben Keating Ford year, um, where he raced in the Wins Ford uh, and, and won the race. Um, but got it taken away the day after because of a scrutineering fault. Basically, the the fuel tank had enlarged to the point where it was no longer uh, in line with the technical regulations, so it got disqualified, because if you're out of the technical regulations, you get disqualified, and that's just how it happens. Um, but that that race, watching that race, watching Ben Keating fight against Thomas Prining, who was at that point in time one of Porsche's young hot stars, was pretty impressive and pretty spectacular so that's one of my memories um pardon me from gte um and as well this is probably going to be a bit of a sad one for a lot of people but uh the the last throws of the 2015 race when uh aston martin uh the northwest amr had the race in the bag effectively and put in paul dalalana to bring it home 
and he crashed it in the four chicanes uh, with a fatigue mistake and wrote the car off and they were out of the race. Oh, mate, that was like one of the first, that was, that was the first Le Mans where I was actually uh, a moderator at, uh, on RSSWC and, you know, doing all the community stuff. And that was, that was such a sad moment for everyone to be, to be watching and to be a part of that and to sort of see that happen. And unfortunately, you know, uh, luck at Lamar became a bit of a meme until he he finally got a podium last year out. So yeah, that was one of my, one of my, maybe not favorite memories, but you know, one of my memories of GTE at Lamar. But of course, always, it's always the battles. It's always the battles. It's Ford versus Ferrari. It's Ferrari versus Porsche. It's Ford versus Porsche. It's Ford versus uh, Ferrari again. It's Corvette versus Aston Martin. It's Aston Martin versus Ferrari. It's just, it's just, there's so many permutations. It's BMW versus the finish line. (laughs) It was just, it's just, just an amazing era of racing to, to have watched and to have been a part of. Yeah. Now I'm all sad. Well, don't oh, cry because, oh, smile because it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I'm sad now, but next year when there's like 30 GT3 cars, I'm going to be absolutely chomping at the bit and drooling at the absolute prospects that we'll have then. Oh yeah. Cause we'll have a. Uh... We'll have a car from the Bronze Cup in GT World Challenge Europe, so we'll have some new blood. Ooh, yeah, nice, 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 nice. Uh, that sounds like, like a really, really cool time. Chris, thank you very much for being a part of this podcast. Hey, no, absolutely my pleasure. I know this is one that you look forward to every year, and hopefully our listeners uh, have gotten a bit more of an idea of the GTE AM class for this year's Le Mans. Um, hopefully with this information, you can make your picks in the MW Clarkson Fantasy WD uh, competition, the Fantasy Endurance competition. Um, I believe there's also, there's probably some other fantasy competition that you can get involved in. So hopefully this uh, has helped you in that. Hopefully as well, this has helped shed some light on some of these personalities and some of these drivers and some of these teams. You know, this is a, a really cool event in that, even though that there's, you know, there's three classes on track and there's three races happening at once in these 21 cars, there will be 21 different stories and each one of these drivers, all 63 of them are going to have their own story of the event as well. So uh, I I hope we've helped shed some light on some of the stories that could be told. And I hope that if you, if you're new um, that you're able to watch some of these stories uh, and that you're able to see them unfold and you're able to respect the the drivers and teams that you might not have understood uh, before. Uh, Any final last words, Chris? Yeah, since this is, uh, I believe this will be our final uh, episode before we have the live yes. edition on Saturday. I just want to uh, relay that uh, to watch the race, uh, the WBC's official app will be streaming. Uh, all all practices, including warm-up. Uh, Eurosport, I know, will cover the action for the, for the Europeans. Motor Trend, on, uh, Motor Trend Plus for the North Americans and the... Uh, Anything else, you would have to look at the TV distribution guide, which should be on the website for uh, the, the WC website on the Lamar page itself. There should be a link for that. Yeah. Uh, support support races. Uh, I don't know if we talked about those. No, we'll uh, very quickly talk about the support races. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a good so, idea. Um, there are three category, three support categories this weekend. Um, there is. Uh, the Road to Le Mans, which is GT3 and LMP3, which is always uh, very uh, very much a part of the Le Mans week uh, nowadays, which is very, yep. very good. Um, there's also... Yeah, they race, they, race on thir- they race on the Thursday, I believe, before Hyperpole, and they actually, a little change of pace, they race on the, the day after, on Friday. 
So we got the so we got Friday streamed track action at Lamar. So you don't have to go a day without you know Lamar action. What Friday streamed yeah. track action? No. Yeah. Um, as well, there is a uh, two uh, single class. Well, sorry, single make categories. So there is the uh, Porsche Carrera Cup. Um, they will be racing on uh, on Sunday morning. So they are the last race before the the warm up and the main race. Um, and as well, there's Ferrari Challenge, which is racing immediately beforehand. Uh, so uh, first time we've seen Ferrari Challenge at Le Mans for a while, I think. It's been a couple of years. I can't remember what the racing was like. I know the last time in the Porsches we hear they produced one of the best races like ever. So this hopefully it's only France and Scandinavia instead of I believe the last time out was Great Britain, Benelux, and France. It's so just for Porsche Carrera Cup. Yep, yep, yep. Porsche uh, individual Porsche Cup championships. So hopefully uh, it's it should put up put up, put out a good show. It's just still put on a good show. I mean, Porsche Cups at Le Mans last time was fantastic. But yeah, and then you got Ferrari Challenge, which 70-something cars for a 35-minute race flood. How many uh, how many minutes of green flag racing? Oh, my God. That's, that's, that's <laughs> two cars a minute. That's terrifying. And, like, if you haven't watched the support categories for Le Mans, I definitely recommend checking it out because there is just something special about the craziness of 10 lap races at Le Mans. I think last year's Ligier European series race uh, on the morning of the main race was one of the races of the season just because of the combination of sheer chaos and incredible battles. Uh, so definitely, definitely check out the um, the support category racing that will be in our day race day threads prior. Um, any streaming information that we find will get put up. At the moment, I I have been told that Road to Le Mans will be streamed, um, and uh, that it is likely that Ferrari Challenge and Carrera Cup will be streamed. But it won't be through the ACO channels. It will be through their own nope. channels. Um, but I've not got so, that confirmed. Uh, so I, yeah, I would, I would say it's pretty much more than confirmed for the championships that themselves do. So Porsche France, I would imagine, if not the Porsche YouTube channel themselves, are going to more, more than likely going to stream the Porsche race. And then the for, if you look up Ferrari Challenge, twenty twenty three, uh, the the YouTube channel, I believe it's the Ferrari YouTube channel. It's as simple as that. Uh, that does it will carry that. So that, those are the most likely places those are going to be streamed. Yeah. And if, if that information is not correct, it will be updated in both our, um, in our day threads on Reddit and in the discord uh, streaming links and stuff that you need to know. So look for, look out for those. Make sure that you are involved. Make sure you join the discord. It's the WEC discord or r slash WEC discord. You can find it through the r slash WEC subreddit or you can search um, for r slash WEC on discord. It's a public service. You can come join, tick the box in the description, in the description when you've read the rules and you'll be have access to all the channels it's a fun time and you know it won't get too hectic i promise probably um and then you'll be able to join our awesome community and uh watch along with us with all the races uh chris thank you very much once again um and we'll see you in a week's time for lamar you know you know this maybe rethink my life choices i'm about to get off here and i were watch a six hour race <laughs> and then the weekend after watch a 24 hour race 
Rethink your life choices? No, I think you're making great choices. <laughs> and you listening should make great choices as well. We will see you for our live show uh, 90 minutes before the start, 24 hours. It'll be up on YouTube. You can join in. You can banter with us. We will take it very loosely. Uh, until then, thank you very much for listening. Hope you've had a wonderful experience. I uh, hope we've learned something. And most of all, can't wait to see you guys next week for the 24 hours of Lamar. I've been Michael Zalavari. Thank you very much for listening. Peace out! Corbin! <laughs>